What does intimacy with the Father look like? What a beautiful picture for us to behold of a daughter walking with her father, engaging. Nothing particularly important, but just the importance of being able to engage and just that beautiful picture of us being able to come before the Father and Bible in one hand, coffee in the other, every nation values. <laughs> and just engage with the Father. That's a, I love that picture um, of what intimacy looks like. And that really paints a picture of, uh, of what we're going to, to, to be looking at uh, this, this afternoon. And so if, if you could uh, turn in your Bibles <clears throat> to the book of Genesis Genesis chapter 2, it's, a, it's really easy to find. It's right at the beginning of your Bible. Um, and then you just flip a few pages and you'll be on Genesis chapter 2. I don't want to take it for granted that we are all super familiar with the Bible, but I hope that we will all get to be familiar with the Bible. Amen. Amen. So, so we, we, are, we are busy with a series called In the Beginning, Purpose Unfolds, and, and, and we looked at two Sundays ago, we looked at uh, uh, just what we may learn about our purpose as far as it relates to, to the image, the image that we are called to bear, and Pastor Roger ministers so well in that, and, and last week we had Pastor Bill Bennett ministering, so we pressed pause on our series, and so we're, we're now in week two. Um, of, of our uh, In the Beginning series, and so the, the portion that we're going to be looking at together this afternoon um, is in, in God's garden. So, so if we want to learn about ourselves, we need to go back to the beginning. Um, and uh, I've often told you uh, that a good tool, uh, one of my favorite tools, right, for, for, for uh, unpacking the Bible um, uh, is a little tool called logic. Um, and, uh, and if we'll just apply that to the Bible, then we'll, we'll, we'll get a, a lot out of it. But, but something else that I've told you um, about Bible reading tools is, um, is the rule of first mention. Um, that if there is something that you want to understand uh, within the scope of Scripture, it is good to go to the place where it was first mentioned uh, and, and to be able to unpack that a little, a little bit better. And that helps you um, to gain a healthier understanding of what that theme or what that concept is about. So the thing that we want to understand this afternoon together um, is what was the idea, what was supposed to be fulfilled in God's garden? And, uh, and, for, and for you amazing kids, there's, uh, there's this uh, awesome uh, fill-in sheet that you guys are already busy with, and the kids will be coloring in and filling in some of these things as we go. So uh, see how many of the empty spaces you can fill in, and if you bring this next week uh, to, to, to uh, one of your leaders, I'm sure they're going to have a nice treat for you as a well done. So leaders, please organize a nice treat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I believe that the Lord has some amazing things that He wants to impart to us today. Are we, are we on? Um, have we found our way to Genesis? Great stuff. I do keep telling you guys if you, when you find your way there, you've got to tell me. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep talking. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that, that's not necessarily a good thing. I want, I want us to, to do things a little bit differently today. Um, so if we could throw up just that first slide. Yeah, there we go. So this is what I want us to look at. These are four decisions 
that I want us to look at within, within the time that we have together, and I'm hoping that we'll be able um, to unpack these. And uh, so the, the reason we're doing things a little bit differently is because this is normally what we'd build up to. This is normally what we'd do. We'd, we'd get into the Word, we'd read, and we'd discuss a few, a few concepts, and there'd be some things that would draw out together, and maybe this is the pattern that would follow, or this is the conclusion that we would arrive at. But I want us to have this in mind as we navigate the scriptures together. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to navigate the, the, quite a few of the scriptures because that's what we do. We love the Bible. Um, and by, by the way, those of you who are, still, who are tracking with us with the, with the Bible reading on the Bible reading app, we are now in day 106 um, of a 186-day reading plan. So well done to those of you who are still tracking with us. And if you've fallen behind, just Catch up, just read from where you are, um, but make sure that you're finishing strong. Amen. Awesome. So, there were four decisions um, that I could see as relating to intimacy. And, and, and the entire time that we're discussing, I want you to have this picture of intimacy almost as, a, as, as this destination, as this place. And there's a highway, there's, a, there's one road leading towards intimacy into, the t- into this town called intimacy, and there's another road leading out of this town. And everything that we're doing, everything that we engage in um, is either leading us or putting us on the path that goes towards intimacy or is putting us on the path that leads away from intimacy. Does that make sense? And so the decision to create was a decision that landed slap bang in the middle of that road leading to the town of intimacy. So we know that right in the beginning, there's this amazing conversation that happens and we, we get, to, we get to, 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 to put an ear and we get, to, we get to be part of that conversation. What a privilege to, be, to, to just have a little bit of a sneak peek into the conversation that the Father was having with Jesus and the Holy Spirit before creation. And, 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 and they say, hey guys, let's come together and let's create. Let's make man in our own image. And then let's, let's make this, we're going to make this awesome universe and there's going to be this amazing world and we're going to put man in this world. And we will have relationship with man. We'll create man in such a way that he needs relationship. And we'll create man in such a way that he is fulfilled when he is plugged into us relationally. And so the decision to create didn't come out of a need. What we know about God is that God is all-sufficient, whole within himself, needing nothing, needing no external input to make him feel affirmed or happy or, 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 or anything. That everything he needs, he has. Everything he needs, he is. And so, he didn't create out of a need to fulfill something within himself. Creation was a desire to bring somebody else into the level of intimacy that he was experiencing. So when you think of the most selfless thing, that a completely selfless being could do, one of the things that comes to my mind is create other beings to experience his love, to experience his intimacy, to go, this is so incredible and so amazing, we are going to create man to experience it. The decision that man makes to rebel we know the story in the garden and they ate the fruit and, 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 that was, and they sinned. And so the decision that man makes to rebel is the decision that takes man out of the town of intimacy and sets man on a different path, sets us on a different path. And so that was a decision really for moral autonomy. 
was a decision where, where, where Adam and Eve were, 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 look, were surveying the situation, chose a path where they felt like we, we can hold our own destiny. We, we, have, we can make the decision. We can decide what is wrong and what is right. And this is our pathway to this. And so they made a decision towards independence. They made a decision towards autonomy. These are signposts that lead out of the town. Independence, autonomy, my own will, the way I see things, my desire, I, I, I. These are signposts out of the town of intimacy. That was the decision to rebel. It was a decision to break away from the model that was set before them. Remember that the only model that they had was the model that they saw before them, which was God. So all they knew about relationship was how they saw God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit relating. That was set before them. They were created. They were supposed to replicate this model within themselves in how they related as husband and wife and go on to have children, in how they related with their children. They were supposed to replicate this model, but they chose to break away from this model. And then there was the decision to hide. So now they've eaten the fruit. Now they recognize that they're naked. They hide behind a bush because they hear God coming. And they made a decision again. Not to go towards God, but to hide from Him. We're still making that decision today. I wonder what would have happened. What would have happened, Pastor Roger, if Adam and Eve had heard God coming, and instead of hiding in the bush, they jump out. And they run towards him in their naked state and throw themselves at his feet and declare their weakness and declare their shortcoming and, and throw themselves at his mercies. What would have happened? History looks different if they would have taken that decision. But they took another decision. They took the decision. They cashed in their chips and they took the decision that leads out of the town. They said, we had this intimacy. We wanted something else. We realized the consequences. And instead of going towards God with our mistakes, we're going to make it a, a, a different plan. We're going to hide. And, we're, and then we're going to find some fig leaves and we're going to sow some fig leaves over ourselves so that we can hide our nakedness and fool ourselves. And, and God would come along and he would recognize that the fig leaves that they've sown for themselves to hide their nakedness are horribly insufficient. They're a bad plan and just, just inappropriate as underwear. Amen. So he makes a different plan for them. He slaughters an animal and he takes the skin of this animal, and he creates clothing for them. And the covering that they now have is a covering that falls so far short of the covering they had when they were in the town of intimacy. But God provides for them. It was, it was also a decision made out of shame. They made a decision to put on shame. And, and shame often feels like nakedness. When we are ashamed of the things that we have done, when we are ashamed of who we are, that feels like being exposed. We don't want to be exposed. We don't like to feel naked. So what do we do? We find coverings. And so we put layers on to cover our shame, to cover our nakedness. But the thing with shame is, it doesn't matter how many layers you put on, you still feel exposed. 
you still think that everybody can see right through you. So you put on more layers until you've reached the point where you can't even recognize yourself. People around you can't recognize you and you are dysfunctional. You have too many layers on to function, to, or to function optimally. This is what shame does to us. And when we partner with that decision that Adam and Eve made to get our passport stamped, I want out. We, we end up having to put on those layers and the further away we get from intimacy, the more layers we put on and the more layers we put on and the more layers we put on until we get to the point where, man, actually, I can't even walk. I can't, I can't do anything because I've got on so many layers. I can't relate properly with other people. I, can't, I, I desire to connect with this person, but I actually can't because there's all these layers. They can't get to me. I desire to be true and to be known, but I don't know who I am because I've got on all these layers. That was the decision to hide. The decision to stay true was a beautiful decision that was taken by God. Because you see, we'll come across it as we get into the scriptures. We're still, we're still getting to the scriptures, don't you worry. What happens, what happens when, when Eve reaches for the fruit to grab it and to eat it? God comes running, no! It's in um, verse, <laughs> just, just test it. That's not what happens. That's not what happens. God wasn't spooked. He wasn't spooked. He wasn't freaked out by the decision that they made. Because you see, the decision for intimacy was made before creation. The decision that God would be true and would love you regardless of what you do was made before you were created. So he doesn't freak out and, 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 and come running out of heaven when you do something wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't go, are we, what are we going to do? Let's make a plan. Jesus, do you have a plan? Gabriel, where's Mike? Michael's never here. Where is he when I need him? He's always out running errands. No. He's not freaked out. Neither does he pull away. Instead, what does he do? He comes Walking in the cool of the day. See, they recognize him. They recognize that it was him. And they hid. How did they recognize that it was him? This was their habit. This was their habit. This was, this was what had been cultivated. It was, a, it was their intimate place that had been cultivated over time that we know that at some point during the day and maybe normally during the cool of the day, God is going to come and come in and he's going to come and hang out with us and we're going to tell him all, the, all that we've been up to. Lord, come and have a look. I cultivated this area and it's, it's beautiful and I thought we could do this with these bushes and, and I really like these fruit. What do you call this? And, and Lord, you asked me to name these animals and I'm busy on it and check these are the the ones that I've named so far, what do you think? And God is going, that's awesome, my son. Hey, what did you name this one? Oh, that's a good name. What did you, and this one? Hey, did you, are oh, you getting to that one? You're still applying your mind. Hey, I like that. What, what are you thinking about? Remember the story of the father and the, and the daughter who were walking? Just, just engaging, engaging and connecting in intimacy. This was the story. This was the picture of the garden. God stayed true. Regardless of whether they had sinned or not, he did what he always did with them. He showed up. They moved. They changed. He didn't. Sin changes us. Shame changes us, causes us to want to put distance between us and God, us and other people. We start acting weird. 
and, and, and we start avoiding God and anything that reminds us of God. And so we start, we start hiding our Bible somewhere underneath old clothes and we, we start inventing reasons why I can't go to church. And we, we stop praying because we feel like it's offensive to God. And, and we, stop, we start avoiding those people who are going to ask us those questions that are going to expose us. And so we start on this whole act of how to manage our sin. Sin changes us. God never changes. He stays true. Our job is to come out of the bush, come out from behind the bush, and go towards him, throw ourselves at his feet. Lord, I messed up. Not, not, not Lord, I messed up, but don't worry, I've got a plan. Hey, not, Lord, we messed up, it's, it's bad, but... Check out these fig leaves, hey? We're, we're thinking this could be a thing. This could catch on. You could redeem this. This could work. No. They throw themselves at the feet of, G, of, 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 of the Father. Or they should have, at least. Think of the example of, um, of David and Saul. This is a real picture of the kind of repentance, the kind of relationship that God wanted with us. Saul messes up, doesn't obey what God had told him to do. God tells him to go and take out this town and, 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 and destroy them. He's, he, he, he takes some of the spoils for himself, and so God sends a prophet to rebuke him. But Paul, uh, uh, Saul has this attitude. Okay, you found me out. I messed up. But think about it. All these animals, they're going to feed the army. They're going to add to my livestock, and that's just for your glory, Jesus. You know, if, if, if I'm rich, people glorify you. If the army is happy, they're going to fight better. There's all this fig leaf I messed up, but David messes up, arguably, to a far greater extent than does Saul. Looks at another man's wife, takes her to bed with him, connives to kill him or to have him killed so that he can hide his shame and, and, and take her as his wife. God again sends a prophet to rebuke him. What is David's response? Lord, you're right. I'm so wicked. I'm so sinful. I have sinned and against you. Have I sinned? I throw myself at your mercies. Watch the difference in posture. All right. So we finally get to some Bible. So. Let's, let's read together. I, you, you, you can just follow with me. I'll, I'll, I'll read some of these sections and, and we'll, we'll skip it. We'll jump around a little bit. The clue here is that the areas that are in bold and the highlighted are important. You want to pay attention to that. Genesis 2 verse 8 says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's pause. That first line, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. So what that tells us is that there was a region called Eden. And in this region, the Lord planted a garden. And the garden came to be known according to that region, so the Garden of Eden. Interesting fact, uh, or interesting side note, but, but um, what is the meaning of the word Eden? Does anybody know what Eden means? Delight. We have a scholar in our midst. Come on. So this place, Eden, was 
was a place of God's delight and his pleasure. Out of this place, follow me now, out of this place of delight and pleasure, God plants a garden, and in this garden, he has fellowship with man. So, what am I saying? Within the context of pleasure arose intimacy. Why is that important? Think about it. If you have a friend or a spouse with whom you are not happy, how easy is it to be intimate with this person? And, and, and for, for the rest of, I should have qualified this, right? When we're talking, when we're talking intimacy, what I'm, what I'm referring to is proximity, closeness, um, that kind of intimacy and, and nothing else. So just, just like keep it here. <laughs> when we have somebody in whom we take delight, with whom we are pleased, it's easy to connect with that person, right? We draw close to that person. It's easy to form bonds. And so delight or pleasure is an important prerequisite to intimacy. If that's the case, then how do we please God so that we may enter into intimacy with him? What are some things that the Bible tells us are pleasing to God? I'll give you a clue. One of them. At least one. There's many. Faith. Faith pleases God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us that it is by faith that we approach God. And that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That those who seek Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. So faith pleases God. What is another thing that pleases God? Humility pleases God. What else pleases God? Obedience pleases God. In 2 Samuel, God declares that I, de- I, I desire obedience rather than sacrifice. He says obedience tastes better to him, smells better to him than even the fat of the rams. What else pleases God? Unity pleases God. You guys are on autopilot here. What pleases God? Purity pleases God, absolutely. Purity pleases God. What else pleases God? Diversity pleases God. That's amazing. Guys, what pleases God? Holiness. Love. Love pleases God. Book of Corinthians tells us that, that, that you, 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 can have, you can have the most amazing prophetic gift. You can see, you can have access to all the mysteries, have all the knowledge in the world. You can have the kind of faith even that moves mountains, but it says, if I have, if I have not love, then I am nothing. These are things that we need to know, please God, because these are the things that we need to cultivate in our lives so that we have context for intimacy. Amen. All right. What else does that, does that say? Out of the ground of the, the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hey, there's another just seemingly weird thing to put into, into the conversation. There's, it was amazing. There was this garden. But there was also this, these two trees. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. What's, what's the importance of these two trees? What would happen 
if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not a trick question. There was a promise there. You'll become like God. God actually told them, you will die. You'll die if you eat it. The serpent said to them, you'll be like God. So let's follow logic here. There is a, there is a tree, and the tree is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So if I eat this tree or eat of this tree, what do I have after eating that I didn't have before? Knowledge. Yes. And so, what we can safely deduce here is that if there's knowledge that they could be had by eating of this tree, and yet God told them, don't eat of this tree on pain of death, there must be some things that they didn't know that God didn't want them to know. Does that, does that flow? That's logic. Powerful Bible tool. There must be some things that they, they didn't know that God didn't want them to know. So, what was the basis of the temptation? The serpent comes and he, and, and he has this whole conversation with Adam and Eve. Did, did God really say? And, you know, did God really say that you. And, and, they, and, and, and they have the interaction, we know it well. They end up eating, eating um, the fruit. What was the basis of this temptation? Was this? that God is holding out on you. You want knowledge? Here it is. You want higher things? Here it is. You want great insights? You want wisdom? You want to know what God knows? Here it is. God doesn't want you to touch this tree because if you know what he knows, then you will be like him. Of course, what is implied in that is that if you are like him, he loses control. Ah, here's a way to level the playing field. That's the basis of the temptation, right? He's holding out. But, but that's the temptation. What's the truth in that temptation? What's the, or in that scenario, what is the truth? The first truth is that God gives us the revelation anyway. God gives us revelation and insight at a rate that we can handle The serpent left that out. If you were to just to track with God, God will give you the information. He'll give you the knowledge. Just at a rate that you can handle. Here's the second truth. He wants us to search out these matters. He wants us to search out these truths. He's not holding out on us. He's not going this, this special knowledge that's reserved. For, he's going, I want you to search these matters out. And in the book of Isaiah, there's, a, there's an invitation that God extends. And he says, come now. Let us reason together. Let's think these things through together. In the book of Proverbs, he says, he says that it is, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is, it is, the, it is the, the, the honor of kings to search it out. God's plan was that you would search out the knowledge anyway, the insights anyway, the revelation anyway. The difference was that it would be in the context of intimacy. Remember the town? We haven't been to the town in a while. Remember the town, intimacy? That's where you get it. Here's the other thing that, that the, the serpent uh, promised, and you'll be like God. Do this, and you'll be like God. Here's the reality. Adam and Eve were already like God. Yeah. They already created in his image. They already create, uh, carried his authority. They already had a mandate on their lives. They already had purpose, greatness, all the things that the enemy tried to sell them, they already had. So I got one clap. That was, and literally, like, <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> I 
the things that the enemy puts in front of you to tempt you with, you already have. They're already yours. They're already promised to you. They're already made manifest in your life. They're already on the way. The only difference is you can shortcut the process and get a perverted version or you can hold out for intimacy and get the real deal that God has planned for you. So, why the tree? Why the tree? Why, was the tr- why did God put the tree there? Lord, the things that the, the tree promises me are already available in you. I can already get them in you. So why did he put the tree there? Well, the overarching narrative is that, you know, the tree was there, temptation and freedom of choice. And that's very, very true, freedom of choice. I believe that another way of looking at it is that the tree wasn't a temptation to draw us away from God. The tree was there as an invitation, as an invitation to trust God in the midst of other options. You have options. You can make it happen. You can reach out, grab of the tree, get the thing you want, or you can press into intimacy with Jesus. The tree exists in our life today. Today, the tree exists in your life. Today, the question is, who will you lean on? Today, there's an option, an invitation for intimacy. Intimacy is a little bit more difficult because it it requires trust. It requires process. I have to be willing to to trust in the process that God has for me and even trust to the point that I'm going, Lord, these are the things that I desire. And even if I don't ever see these promises in my life, I'm willing to abide with you because I know that in the context of history, I will see how you used me as as a tool to work these things out. And maybe this is a legacy that I'm building for those who will come after me. I don't know, Lord, but the point is, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to stick with you. There's invitation there. The tree, therefore, didn't make them feel naked. It wasn't the tree that made them feel naked. They, when they reached out for the tree, they made a decision. They stamped the passport to leave Intimacy Town. And that was a breach of trust. There was disconnect between them and God, and they experienced something that they'd never experienced before, what it feels like to live outside of the covering of God. That's what made them feel naked, not the tree, being out of relationship. The sad thing is that they felt the nakedness, and they misdiagnosed it. They felt the the nakedness, and they misdiagnosed it. There was, there was a nakedness of the soul that took place in that moment. And they applied a physical solution to a soul problem. How many times, how many times have we been found guilty of applying a physical solution to a soul problem? And how many times has that led us to a sinful, sinful state where we have paid a, a, a price greater than what we intended to pay, where we had stayed in that state of sinfulness far longer than we intended to stay because we, we misdiagnosed what was happening here. Instead of going to the healing balm of Gilead, instead of going to Jesus and saying, There's, there is a lack in me, there is a, a desperation in me, there is a hole in me, fill it. We went, what, are, what, what, what can I get my hands on? What, what can I get my hands on? Can I, can I, can I pull this man or this woman and, and maybe they can satisfy me? Can I, can I pull this on, this on this drug or alcohol or whatever? Can I, can I pull on some level of busyness? Can I just disconnect from life and be numb? Can I, what else can I do that would make me feel a little bit better? All of those have been destructive and all of those have led you further and further and further away from intimacyville. 
when we misdiagnose. And then, of course, there's the second tree, the tree of life. Both of these trees, I believe, achieve the same purpose. They were invitation. Here, you can eat the tree of life, and you can attain to immortality, or you can be plugged into the source and attain to immortality. What will you choose? Very quickly, the second scripture there says, Now, now a river went out of Eden towards the garden, and from it there parted and became four riverheads. Now, I wanted us to pause a little bit there, and this, this will probably be the last thing that we, um, that we discuss together. But um, my, my geography, high school geography, tells me that each river has a source, right? It starts at a point of origin, flows out, and, uh, and, and, so, and so the river that watered the garden in Eden started off somewhere, flowed out, flowed into the garden, nourished the garden. The garden became fruitful as a result, in fact, very fruitful as a result. But the, we told that the river continued. It didn't stay in the garden. It continued, and it, and it split off into four different rivers, and it went out, and it watered the world. And we know about rivers that their eventual outworking is the ocean. And so, there was the source. See if you can catch where I'm going here. There was a source that nourished the garden. The garden became fruitful. The river continued. When it continued, it would have taken with it some of the topsoil that was in the garden, some of the nutrients of the garden, and flowed out of the garden and, and, and flowed into four different rivers and, and deposited these nutrients and the soil in other places, creating the garden all over the world. What is the eventual outworking of our intimacy with God? He is our source. He nourishes our soul. He causes us to be fruitful. He flows out of us. That which has been worked out in us, that seed, that nutrient, is carried out and is meant to impact the world. That was the plan of the garden. Just by the way, that was how God had intended to fill the world. The outworking of our intimacy is that the world is, is dominated, filled with that which was the original picture. There's other things, right? So there's authority and there's, you know, God, God gives Adam the mandate, um, name all the animals. In fact, in the scriptures, in fact, if we could go right to, the, to that last scripture slide, just the last scripture slide, um, that, that bottom part, that Adam named all the animals, and to Adam, see what he called them, and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. God didn't enter into debate about it with Adam. He gave him a job to do, and because he carried the authority of God, whatever he decided to name that animal, that was his name. That was the end of the discussion. That was the level of authority that he carried as a result of intimacy. Shall we stand together? We have an opportunity this afternoon to agree with Jesus that our fig leaves are insufficient. That there was a plan, and we broke away from that plan. There was a relationship, and we moved away from that in relationship. There was intimacy, and we drifted from that intimacy. We did all the drifting. We did all the messing up. We did all the rearranging. God remained constant. There is an opportunity for us to recognize that we are totally and completely at fault Completely to blame. 
Because we desired our own way, because we went after the way of the flesh, because we were tempted by something that looked good to the eye, seemed like it would give us wisdom, seemed like it would be pleasurable for the moment, and we decided to short-circuit instead of trusting in intimacy and remaining, remaining plugged in, we cashed out. We stamped our passports and we left intimacy. We have an opportunity this afternoon to admit that. When Adam and Eve had that opportunity, they hid. They found the nearest bush and they ducked behind it. And they found some leaves and they covered themselves and pretended that they were okay. I want to invite those of you who are not in relationship with Jesus to allow him to cover your nakedness. That means that you, 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 you are not in relationship with him, so you, you, you are not saved. Maybe you're not, even, you're, or you're not sure about your salvation. Another way of putting it is, if you were to die today, you do not know whether you would spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. You feel uncertain about that. There's an opportunity for you to go, I'm going to put my fig leaf down and I'm going to throw myself at the mercies of Jesus. And if you will do that, then Jesus will be your covering. Scripture tells us that he was the lamb that was slain so that we could be covered. He covers our nakedness, not our own efforts. If you know that I'm speaking to you, just, say, just let me know. You're speaking to me. And just raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep those hands up. You're saying, man, the fig leaf hasn't worked. I've tried it. I've given it a good go. The fig leaf hasn't worked. Thank you. Keep those hands raised. I want to lay it down. I want to, I want to come under the covering of Jesus Christ. Don't miss this moment. I want to pray with you. Thank you. Here's what I want to do. I wish Adam and Eve had come out of the bush and been real with Jesus and been brave. That would have looked so different. But they didn't. You have an opportunity to do what Adam couldn't do. Come out of the bush. So I want to invite you, if you've got your hand up, would you come on up to the front here? We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray with you. Would you come and stand with me over here? And would you declare, thank you, come on up. Let's celebrate this moment, saints. Let's celebrate this moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Those that are coming to stand here, I just, come on up, come on up. I want to give you context. I want to give you context. Those that are coming to stand here are doing what Adam couldn't do. Those that are here are doing a locking step with Jesus. That's the context. See, Jesus, Scripture says that Jesus was the second Adam. So he came to show us how Adam should have been. What did Jesus do when he was tempted? He rose up. And he, he resisted. He showed us what Adam should have done. That's what you people, you beautiful people are doing this afternoon. You're saying where, where Adam and Eve hid, we will not. We will throw our, ourselves on the mercies of Jesus Christ and believe that his blood covers our sins. Judge me if you want to. I don't care. I'm here for Jesus. Father, you see these beautiful souls. You see these hearts, these lives before you. 
I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless them. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That your love would overflow in their lives. That you would cultivate such intimacy in them that they've never experienced before. I pray that they would know you and that you would know them. I pray that you would cover their nakedness, cover their weaknesses, cover their shortcomings. Bless them and provide for their needs. Cause them to flourish in their souls. Cause them to flourish in their bodies. Cause them to, find, to have health in their bodies, that their bodies would be strong in Jesus' name. Cause them to be prosperous in their souls, that their souls would thrive because you are overflowing in them. Cause them to have such a depth of hunger and desire for your word and for your presence. Today, we stand with them and declare that their eternity is certain. It is signed off in you. They look forward to eternity in your presence. We thank you. We glorify you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you forgive them of their sins. We thank you that their hearts are repentant before you. Cause them, Father, to never be the same again. Never the same again. Never the same again. Never the same again. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Can we give the Lord just another round of applause? I'm going to ask you, beautiful people, if you can follow uh, Putty and Vicky um, through those, those doors. They just want to continue to pray with you and just give you some material that will help you along your journey. Saints, as they're going, I, I believe that there's, there's a second group of people that God wants to minister to. And what I'll ask is if our ministry team can come to the front. Ministry team, if you can just make your way to the front. So we're going to close the service. When we close the service, please, I'm pleading with you, don't rush off. Come and do business with Jesus. Come and lay down your fig leaf. Some of you, most of you, already saved, already born again, already loving Jesus, but you still have fig leaves. You still have ways in which you're hiding. You still have ways in which you're working your own effort. You still have struggled to come under the Lordship of Jesus. You still have sins that you're hiding. Come and receive healing. Ministry team, please come on up. Come and receive healing up front here. We're going we're gonna to close the service. Again, don't run off. Come and do business with Jesus.